Hello everybody, good day to you and welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host, I am Shemaine Linney, I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and biohacker. I am very happy to have you with me on this chilly September day. You can definitely feel fall coming in. I don't know if I'm ready or not ready. I'm trying to hold on to summer for another week, but there's also something enticing about the fall and wrapping up and putting the fire on and getting cozy. Anyway, I digress. So I hope you're all really well and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. I'm trying my best to help as many people as possible and cover as many topics as I can, especially ones that I feel are relevant to um, my followers and, of course, clients and family as well. So this week, you may have noticed over on Facebook, I'm doing a series on hormones, um, all the hormones. But I started with estrogen. Um, and I've put a lot of in-depth stuff up already. Well, not too in-depth, but I'm encouraging people to take notes because as I've been saying for about a year and a half now, now is the time we need to take charge of our health. There are people like me who are here to help you. You're not alone. There are people like me that have open doors, well, at least open video cameras and phones, depending on if we get locked down again or what. But there are people with, let's just say, open hearts and open arms and open minds that want to help you and are not going to push you to do anything you don't want to do. There are genuine people who want to help you and want to see you be your best and feel your best. Again, I digress, but I really feel inside me today that I want to get that out to the world. There are people that don't want to push you to do something you don't want to do. They just want to help you. Anyway, so in this episode, we're going to look at herbs that can help you detoxify estrogen. I want to give you some practical stuff. Of course, I can only give you advice. I can't make you do it, but I hope that you'll actually do it. So, Um, Well, we've been looking at estrogen so far this week over on Facebook. We'll just take a quick look at it again. So estrogen is both good and bad. Both women and men contain estrogen, um, except women contain more. You can make estrogen in your fat cells. Not many people know that. Of course, the ovaries and then our brain can produce some estrogen as well. So when most people think about estrogen, they're specifically thinking about the ovaries. And uh, I'll often get feedback saying, well, I had a hysterectomy, a full hysterectomy, and my estrogen's gone. That's not true. I was having a conversation with a client last night. She didn't have a hysterectomy, but we were discussing how fat cells in themselves can make estrogen and contribute to estrogen dominance. So when we look at estrogen dominance... Estrogen dominance is a common imbalance among young girls and women these days. And it really can make you feel rubbish. It can make you 
of course, overweight. It can make you feel tight in your body, uncomfortable, swollen, like your skin is tight, like everything aches and pains you and you're stiff. It can be a contributor, of course, to you feeling miserable and having mood springs, mood swings and depression and anxiety. It can contribute to really severe PMS, painful breasts, lumpy breasts, um, painful irregular periods, blood clots, heavy bleeds, fibroids, thyroid issues. So yes, having extra estrogen in the body can contribute to thyroid issues and of course that's going to slow down your metabolism. Uterine polyps um, and of course fertility and it may have a tendency towards miscarriages. So uh, of course, I have to mention the C word, that would be the original C word, cancer, depending on the type of cancer one might have, it can be estrogen driven. Um, and when we say estrogen dominance, we really mean estrogen excess, having too much estrogen in your body in ratio to other hormones as well. So it's not just the estrogen, we're looking at it in ratio to other hormones, especially the progesterone is where we see women with menses issues or irregularities in their menstrual cycle. So over 70% of women experience estrogen dominance at some point in their lives. 90% don't even know they have it or know what's going on. It's so, so common nowadays and even the fittest and healthiest of us can have some estrogen dominance issues. Even if you see a fit, healthy girl walking up the road, she may have um, some cellulite. She may have some PMS, cravings, irritability, weepiness before her menses starts. And that's telling us there is some estrogen issues going on there. Or you may see a really fit girl in the gym. I don't know why I'm saying focusing on fit girls, it just popped into my head. But it just shows that even slim fit girls are not excluded from hormonal issues. But you may see a fit girl in the gym and she'll tell you, you know, I have this just stubborn fat pocket around my hips or my low back that I can't get rid of no matter what I do. That is an estrogen issue as well. So nobody really is excluded, especially nowadays. It is so common because we have, obviously, temptations in our diet. So, of course, we've got sugar and then other inflammatory foods like greasy foods or takeout. And I focus a lot on greasy foods and polyunsaturated fats because they are very inflammatory. Then we've got the lifestyle factor. Stress is a huge thing for estrogen <laughs> imbalances or estrogen dominance because stress like back to the fit girl she may be doing everything right her nutrition is great her bowel movements are great her sleep her fitness is great except she has stress and it's the stress that's causing her to struggle with that low back fat uh, and around the hips so then, of course, with stress comes anxiety. Um, and then there's, depending on where you live, the lack of sunlight can contribute to estrogen issues. 
chemical or toxin exposures, so those xenoestrogens that can come into our body from our environment. Um, and regardless of that, our world is more toxic and full of synthetic xenoestrogens than ever before. My friends and family laugh at me because I literally say quite regularly lately they're trying to kill us in every way possible we need to be aware of this and I laugh saying that because you can put it in whatever context you like but it's everywhere we have this constant uphill battle through our food through stress through oh look it's minus 40 degrees out and there's no sun there's always something and sometimes you do have to just laugh at it and the good news is you can give your body the support and the tools that it needs to detoxify estrogen. And that's very, very important to understand that even if you're doing everything right in your environment and you're limiting your toxic exposure, you still want to make sure that your body can detoxify any excess estrogen that may be in your body. So we want to improve how we... Um, remove and break up these estrogen metabolites. So the key organ here, many of you are going to know this, is going to be your liver. This is the organ that will help remove many toxins, including estrogens. Estrogen detoxification is an important process that needs extra support, extra tools, extra help with the functions that we need um, the body to do. Now, that doesn't mean that your gut as well, just as a side note, your gut does play a huge part in removing toxins. But the main one that we want to pay attention of and gets overlooked, even though people talk it about talk about it a lot, it still gets overlooked and that's going to be your liver. And there are many ways to support your liver. And as a herbalist in training, um, I have been drawn to herbs and the medicine that the earth gives us and how we can use it safely to support our body. And there is lots of liver supporting herbs. You'll have heard me talk about dandelion tea for one a lot and burdock tea. I talk about burdock a lot as well. So there's many of these that can be incorporated into our days and easily added into recipes or very simply make a tea or some sort of um, herb infusion like elixir like it's quite easy to get herbs and when I'm teaching my clients as well my one-to-one -one clients I always set aside a special time to talk about um, super herbs and herbs and how herbs are my favorite because they're so easy to get into your diet like really really easy like I mentioned worst case scenario you would just make a tea tea it's so so simple to make a tea or an infusion um, so we're going to go through a few of what herbs we can use to help detoxify not just excess estrogen, but they also help detoxify other toxins from the body and help restore hormonal balance, which is really important because if you go back to estrogen dominance, it's that imbalance. It's where we have excess estrogen in ratio to the other hormones. So 
Like I mentioned, estrogen is found in both men and women, but it's generally known as the female hormone. Just women have more of it, and sometimes we can have too much of it in relation to other hormones like progesterone. And this can happen um, due to one or more situations like an imbalance in our we have three estrogen hormones that not many people know about so we've got e1 estrone e2 estradiol and e3 which is estriol tri so di tri um, or we can have that imbalance between the progesterone and estradiol diol ratio so that's our e2 and that's where we see some concern because the studies show us that the imbalances with e2 is where we have concerns around progressing into illness or disease um, and then an imbalance in the metabolites no, metabolites so those byproducts from the hormones as well so usually these imbalances they will lead to estrogen dominance if if not in the beginning eventually um, and then we of course have symptoms or biomarkers that our body will tell us that this is the case so severe PMS um, that would also include migraines around PMS which would signify we have inflammation of the blood there then heavy heavy periods with blood clots Cellulite can be caused by estrogen, varicose veins, um, that hip fat and low back fat, like I mentioned, so low belly, hips around your back, that can be it, thinning hair, endometriosis, fibroids, thyroid issues, and then of course hormone sensitive cancers like breast, you know, ovarian, uterine, so these are the symptoms. Generally, when I'm looking at estrogen dominance or even looking just for an excess of estrogen in a client, I will look at her menstrual cycle. Um, and then I'll also ask for a picture if I'm not meeting the client in person of her body to see where she's carrying weight or he. I do work with men as well. Um, and then that can give me an idea. Okay, we have excess estrogen going on here. We got to fix this. Um, when one of the ways we're going to fix it is by supporting the liver <coughs> so the liver is our largest internal organ and of course many of us know that its main role is in supporting detoxification um, but it also has immune support properties and it also helps regulate our metabolism not many people know that so the liver is very very important the liver actually is one of our main signaling mechanisms to help us burn fat that is just a side note for our fat loss lovers out there but the liver is really important when it comes to detoxing estrogen um, <coughs> because of the phases that the liver goes through it detoxes excess hormones toxins metabolic waste through two main phases there are three phases but we're going to look at two so we've got um phase one which is oxidation the burning up of toxins um some people will call it methylation as well phase one 
And then we've got phase two, which is conjugation. These are the two phases I generally talk about. It's, it's breaking down the toxins and then binding them so they can be removed or excreted from the body. When we look at phase two, we've got a process called glucuronidation, where we can bind to these toxins and help them excrete from the body. So in phase one, we've got estrogen is broken down. So it's oxidized or um, methylated into metabolites that are <clears throat> generally more dangerous than estrogen. But then when we can bind them properly and support the detoxification and get them out of the body, we can remove that dangerous aspect. Now, phase two is what we call conjugation, where we're binding and excreting. So I suppose excreting is phase three, but we'll just put it in phase two for the sake of it right now. And if phase two isn't working as well as it should, so binding and excreting, then obviously we're going to have these toxins or hormones stay in the body a lot longer. Now, in order to bind to these toxins or hormones, we've got what we call glucuronidation, where we bind. We basically, the body will bind a brick to these hormones so that they can't seep back into the body and be recirculated. So if you just imagine a concrete block being bound to these hormones so that they can be removed, so they can't seep back through, let's say, any damaged tissue like leaky gut or the epithelial layer is damaged. But if this phase two isn't working properly, let's say you're constipated or you're not getting enough nutrition in your diet to bind and support detoxification like sulfur-based foods, like green vegetables, and let's say you're constipated and your waste is just sitting in your colon and large intestine for a lot longer, what can happen is we can have some bacteria, our bad bacteria, those guys can come along and they can deglucuronidate. So basically they're sneaky. They untie that cement block from the hormones, which obviously then frees up the hormones so they can leach back into the bloodstream and be recirculated throughout the body again. This is why it's very, very important to be pooping daily so we can constantly be excreting these things so they're not lingering in our colon or intestine for too long where they could possibly be recirculated. And here's the thing, you're going to say, well, how do I know if I have bad bacteria? Well, we all have good and bad bacteria. Again, that comes down to ratios. If the ratios are good, then we generally are healthy. We don't have a problem. We don't have gas bloating. We don't have IBS. But if you do have any symptoms of IBS, gas bloating, bowel issues, candida, bacterial vaginosis, you're going to have excessive bad guys. So you're going to be more at risk of recirculating these hormones. But also, we know that if you have excess estrogen, let's say you're overweight, and the fat cells, like I mentioned in the beginning, they make estrogen. If you have excess estrogen, we know that bacteria have an affinity to feed off estrogen. So you're naturally going to have higher amounts of 
by bacteria. I know it sounds like a horror story and you get stuck in this vicious loop. So the bad guys feed on the estrogen, but they also release the estrogen to go back into the bloodstream. And if you have excess estrogen, you likely have more bad guys and it's just a vicious circle. Um, but anyway, when we come back to the liver, we want to not only make sure that our phase two is working via excretion of bowel movements, but also that the liver is filtering as well. So that, again, these hormones can't be recirculated into the bloodstream. So we want to make sure that our liver enzymes are working as well and our liver detoxification pathways are working too. And the main enzyme here that helps with detoxification is going to be our P450 enzyme. So this, let's just think of this enzyme as a good guy, and he's going to help us bind and detoxify these hormones. But in order for him to work properly, we need to give him the tools that he needs to work. And I'm just calling him a he. It could be a she, whatever way you want to think of it. But I'm, I'm just trying to explain it simply. And the tools that the P450 enzyme needs are going to be B vitamins, vitamin C, um, which is a precursor to glutathione. We can also take N-acetylcysteine here. We can also take vitamin A. So these are important. And like I mentioned, other nutrients, especially minerals that we get out of food, like sulfur and magnesium, very, very important for these excess hormones and to stop them getting recirculated and make sure that they don't contribute to further hormone imbalances. So nutrition is very important. Another thing that I've mentioned as well before to my clients when they talk about having their gallbladder removed or gallbladder issues is bile is very, very important for the liver because bile not only is it produced by the liver and the gallbladder, but the liver does produce bile. Um, bile plays a really important aspect because bile helps emulsify fat, of course. Um, and when it's released, not only does it consume the fats, and we know that fat is a carrier for toxins, and this is why fat cells can be toxic and very inflammatory. This is why people are encouraged to eat grass-fed meat, or if you can't get grass-fed meat, then you get extra lean because you know that toxins are stored in fat cells. So with the bile, the bile then emulsifies the fat in our body, which is a carrier for the toxins, including our hormones, and if we don't have correct bile function or enough bile being produced, then we're not binding up these excess hormones or toxins or estrogens that contribute to that estrogen dominance. This is another reason why, as a side note, when a woman has got her gallbladder removed or even the a portion of the uterus or a complete hysterectomy, we start to see cholesterol issues in women and even fatty liver because the process has interrupted the production of bile, which is very, very important for not only 
um, breaking down the fats, but also helping the body manage these hormones. And many women don't know this, especially when it comes to hysterectomies. And this is why we can see after a hysterectomy, a woman starts having cholesterol issues. Um, and then, of course, women after their gallbladder, having that removed, often experience estrogen dominance issues within months of surgery. So the, the body is very delicate, but the female body, I say, is extra delicate, like a delicate petal. Although we can be quite strong and resilient, we also need to remember that everything's delicate and we need to be kind and gentle and take care of our bodies. So... When we look at using herbs for detoxifying or supporting, there's many herbs that I like to go to. Dandelion is a big one. Um, dandelion root and leaf. Generally, when we look at dandelion, I want it organic and raw. So dandelion is great, not just for the liver, but also for the kidneys as well. And dandelion root in itself is what we would associate for liver support and liver health. Dandelion leaf is more of our diuretic for helping the kidneys remove water from the body. So that's more the kidney help. But both do, both help both organs. I mean, the root and the leaf help both organs. Um, dandelion you can find it locally, you can find it in your garden, you can add it to salads, but one thing you will want to be careful of, is it clean, has it been sprayed with anything, and if you live in a community like I do, where we've maintenance guys, chances are they've sprayed something on it, so although it's readily available around us, we have to be careful where we source our dandelion from. Dandelion has been known for thousands of years, probably longer for its health promoting properties, um, including treatment of hepatitis and other liver disorders. So it's something I will use a lot to support detoxification and even helping people with diabetes and fatty liver as well. And it's what we would consider a choleretic. So it helps to stimulate bile production. So great for gallbladder health. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and of course, breaking down excess estrogens and any byproducts there. Burdock root is another lovely herb. <laughs> the taste takes a while to adapt to. Of course, we want it organic and raw. Burdock root is something we would consider a blood cleaner, but it's also a mild liver herb. So burdock root helps clean the blood, which is really important nowadays. It's been long used in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and all aspects of burdock root have therapeutic uses. So that's the roots, the seeds, the leaves. But burdock protects against liver injury and promotes detoxification by helping to restore glutathione levels, decreases inflammation, especially in the liver, through cleaning the blood and removing toxins. That way, even your blood can become very inflamed and toxins. So burdock is great for this. And again, it is a choleretic herb, so it will help the body stimulate um, and promote bile flow. So burdock is great. I like to get it in loose leaf and then I just use my tea balls to make burdock. I'll usually make a pot of it. Um, 
like I said in the beginning, it's an acquired taste, but you grow to like it, especially if you know it's good for you. Another one that people are quite familiar with is milk thistle. Um, so milk thistle is probably, along with dandelion, a top go-to herb for liver support. You'll also hear it referred to as silly marin, um, which is a collection really of active compounds within the milk thistle um, and not only have they been shown to lower inflammation but also help fight free radicals remember free radicals are basically um, atoms that are missing electrons that just ping pong around the body and mess shit up and cause a lot of damage um, and then milk thistle or Silibon marianum, as its herbal name or Latin name is known as, is also being shown or being used to treat chronic liver disease, cirrhosis, and even liver cancer. So these herbs, they do a lot of stuff, but if all we're taking away is this is good for my liver, then that's enough. That's the important aspect of it. Um, and you can also combine these herbs with other roots and herbs too, like ginger, to further support um, detoxification. And ginger is quite great for inflammation as well. Ginger can be very relaxing too for people. If you go back to that stress aspect I was speaking of earlier, ginger can be great for that. Um, so our next herb would be turmeric or curcumin as people like to call it. Well, curcumin is the main active component of turmeric. Um, and turmeric, as many people know, is great for many different aspects of health, especially for its anti-inflammatory activity. But turmeric or curcumin is also an excellent herb for promoting liver health and estrogen detoxification. So you can either use the whole root or you can use powder, um, you can get a supplement. I recommend turmeric tea a lot for my clients. Um, but curcumin as well, many people will know, is used in a lot of um, cancer therapeutics because of its ability to basically increase glutathione, which is our master antioxidant and is one of our main antioxidants for reducing free radicals and supporting detoxification and activating our NR2 NRF2 pathways, which are more detoxification pathways. It plays a part with our P450 enzyme um, and lots and lots of other things. So turmeric not only tastes good, but it does wonders. It's been connected for its skin quality and health, longevity, loads and loads of stuff. The next one would be Shisandra. So Shisandra is a Siberian berry and it has been shown to protect the liver from toxins, uh, increase bile flow, and promote liver detoxification too. So Shisandra, you can get in a tea, you can get in a supplement, you can even get the dried berry form where you could add it to yogurts or smoothies or other recipes. Shisandra is also great for the immune system and it's an adaptogen, so it helps your adrenal glands adapt to stress. So 
this is quite a useful herb and again we hear that stress word there so if we know this berry is great for supporting the liver and it can also help us with stress then why wouldn't we do that so you've many options it's always good to have a few of these options in your house um, and we'll look at one more so another herb that I like to use is going to be artichoke is pretty good like artichoke can be useful many people will associate artichoke um, for cleaning out the bladder and the kidneys but it's also a liver supporting herb uh, and that can help with estrogen detoxification as well so you can eat artichoke you can get um, teas of artichoke you can make your own tea it also helps with the liver's production of bile you can make artichoke dips you can also get a supplement if you want but that wasn't the one I was going to pick I was going to go with hibiscus is one of my favorite herbs especially one of my favorite teas hibiscus is great because not only has hibiscus been shown to directly support uh, the reduction of blood pressure and cholesterol hibiscus will have stimulating effects on the vagus nerve which increases enzyme activity increases bile production and bile flow reduces bad bacteria if we have less bad bacteria in our body then we're going to have less of those bad guys deglucuronidating our estrogen as we're trying to excrete it it's always good to have less of the bad bacteria but also hibiscus can be very cleansing to the kidney and the liver as well helping keep both healthy and if both are healthy and working optimally then they're going to obviously be helping the body detoxify a lot more efficiently and the taste of hibiscus not only is the flower very eye appealing but the taste of hibiscus is really pleasant and it's really great for the vagus nerve if you're not too sure about the vagus nerve I did a podcast I think a while back and I've done posts on it but vagus activity is very important for digestion detoxification brain health nervous system activity um, stomach acid like loads and loads of stuff so this tea is a great option I think for most people regardless if you have estrogen issues or not so you can easily add these herbs in you can add them to recipes you could chew on them if you like um, chewing also helps activate other enzymes and other compounds in these herbs um, chewing also is great for vagus activity you can make teas you can get the powders add them to dishes you can get supplements there's many ways to implement Implement these herbs but these are practical they're not too expensive most people can easily add in at least two of these herbs to their days to help with detoxification of estrogen um, I do have a few others real quick like foods that I like for detoxification of estrogen we've got broccoli sprouts pomegranate green tea rosemary is a favorite of mine cilantro of course we know is a chelator or a binder so it will bind to hormones and toxins toxins bok choy is great daikon radish um, is great i like radish sprouts 
I said broccoli sprouts, I think. Also broccoli, apple cider vinegar is great. Um, resistant starch. So we've got our sweet potato, our organic apples. Um, berries are great. Uh, Brussels sprouts are great. Uh, there's a lot. So all these foods you want to be constantly adding into your diet. You can, if you're really trying hard to detoxify estrogen, you can look at some other binders as well, like zeolite, or I really like a good activated charcoal. Lots and lots of options. Like I said at the beginning, I can give you all these tools, but I can't make you do them. So you have the tools, and now your call to action is to go out, get one or two of them, and start using them daily. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope I didn't ramble on too much and you were able to take away some uh, good directions from it. If you have any questions, send them my way. You can find me um, on Facebook or Instagram or you can email me at shemainsmodelhealth.com. I'm always happy to um, answer questions. And I always try to get back to people as quickly as I can. But as always, if you know anyone that would find this information helpful, please share with them. Sharing is caring. Um, And again, we all want to start taking responsibility for our health. So I hope you all have a really great day. I will chat, chat to you really soon. Stay safe. Uh, And yeah, have a great day. Bye bye.